Father, as we open up your word now, we pray you'll lead us and guide us to see that as we receive the Savior, that's really the answer to the world's desire for peace and harmony. Guide us with the Holy Spirit to see this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to imagine someone who's in their teen years, 16 going on 17. They lift weights a lot, big arms, skinhead, black clothing all the time. And yet they have little odd jobs during the summertime uh, in between community service for their trouble that they get into. And one of the jobs that this particular teenager would do would be deliver newspapers. And as he's walking along the newspaper route, especially in December, there'd be all kinds of customers coming out with envelopes and tips and all of that would pour into his newspaper bag. But yet, as he's walking along, there's a somber feeling because as he's putting his headphones back into his ear, and he had a cassette player at the time, begins to play it, there's a song that says, I wish every day could be like Christmas. I wish every day could be full of peace and harmony. I wish every day could be like Christmas. And there he stops at the top of, uh, there's a level road and another side road that goes downhill, and as he delivers those papers, and he comes to the top, and that part is playing on the song. He sits his newspaper bag down and stands there, just in somewhat amazement of the fact that that could even be possible, that every day could be like Christmas. Fast forwards the song, goes on to the next one, picks up his bag, continues around the paper route, but the song still keeps playing in his mind. For years, that song played in his mind. And here today, I know it because I'm the young person who was walking that route. And you, didn't, you wouldn't know it on the outside, but if you, were to, if you were to look carefully upon my person, you would have found a dagger in this pocket, a switchblade in this pocket, and inside that newspaper bag, there was a weighted bar in case I had to deal with somebody who I didn't trust or whose friend I had pounded down to the ground. And yet, there I was with this desire, not because of the gifts that were being received and placed into that bag with the metal bar, but because I noticed in some of those customers and in some relatives that I knew that they had something that lasted beyond that time of the year. It was almost like they had access to what that song was talking about all the way through the year. And it just bubbled out even more during that time of the year. Wish every day could be like Christmas, full of peace, in harmony. Isn't that really what our world desires now? We don't necessarily, if those of us who aren't Christians, we don't necessarily know exactly where to look for it. We have a, a few hints, seeds that have been planted over time, and I, I had a few of those seeds planted over time, so I kind of knew the direction I should look, but I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go there. I thought I could handle things on my own, but deep down there was that desire for peace for no more strife, no more fighting, no more looking over your shoulder, no more wondering what the next day will bring, peace. And I wish to tell you that, uh, that right away after that it became a reality for me, but it took some time. But I did discover that peace. And some people look for it in different ways. They look for it in pursuit of a career. They look for it in pursuit of education. They look for it in pursuit of a family. They look for it in pursuit of uh, pleasures and things of this world. And quite frankly, those things are appealing to some. But deep down, it's almost like they leave you feeling empty. 
to the point where you're sitting there thinking, what next? And I still remember, after that particular incident on the paper route, going over to my grandfather's house, and he opened up his Bible to Matthew chapter 1, which is where we're going here this morning, and he read something, and as I read this story there, here's somebody who's, who's really going through a struggle of belief, not because he doesn't believe in God, not because, like me at the time, I was a hardened person who didn't want anything to do with God, but because there's a miracle taking place right in front of his face, and he's struggling with whether to believe it or not. And you know what? As we're reading, even reading the Bible, we're dealing with a miracle, are we not? The fact that we're even still reading this story today, and it still brings about all these different people writing these types of songs, desiring peace, still shows us a beautiful value and power that this book has. And so I'm kind of sharing a testimony with you, and if, if you're struggling with, and I know every time I, it comes around this time of the year, there are some who are visiting, and I don't know all your religious background, but if you're struggling with whether or not this is a true story or not, basically I'm standing before you because I know that this story is true because it can change lives. And if you want proof for, as far as the validity of the Bible, I've already covered that in previous sermons, but basically you have time and time again, the archaeologist spade is proving stories in the Bible actually took place. Rulers actually, the way the Bible describes it, historical rulers actually ruled. Hezekiah's seal was found this week. Did you read about that? It's amazing. They're still finding things as they dig. And as you get to the story of the Gospels, the one story that is proven beyond a shadow of a doubt as far as historically is the fact that Jesus was a historical person. He was born. You may not agree with all the details surrounding it, but yet we find the Bible is clear. He was born. His name was Yeshua, or Jesus. And eventually, even Jewish, and we find non-Jewish, it means historical sources beyond, out in the Roman Empire, they all agreed he lived, he died. Some say he did miracles. So I have reason to believe, especially now after all these years of studying this, that this is a book that's been preserved for us to see a story of peace unfolding. And how could every day be like Christmas? How could every day be full of peace and harmony? This text tells us by receiving the Savior. That was a simple sermon title, Receive the Savior. And so the text goes like this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now you could pause here and see the man struggle. Here's somebody who he's betrothed himself to. Here's someone who's, who said, I'm going to be faithful to you. In fact, it's, it's going to come down to the same symbols of the Lord's Supper for us. We'll get down to that point. Similar story in our lives as well. Jesus has, has betrothed himself to us. Are we faithful to him? Can you imagine finding out that the one that you were planning to marry, who said she's never been with anybody else, all of a sudden has a child inside of her? I mean... We already know from Matthew, Mark, especially in the Gospel of Luke, that they're still questioning him years later. They're saying, well, we know who our father is, right? So we know back in that culture that even though Joseph steps forward, he's stepping forward into a situation that is filled with shame, at least on the surface. But for those of us who are Christians, we know it's a, it's a story of glory. And so we find even the story here, he has someone who's, it says, here's the birth of Jesus Christ or the Messiah, or the Anointed One. 
the one whom all through the Old Testament they were looking forward to who could bring about peace amongst the nations, the one who could, who could guide them to, to beat their, their weaponry into implements of farming. This is the one that's being described here. The anointed one, the Messiah, has come. And Joseph has a struggle here, but yet we find he prevails. He recognizes, yes, this, this must be, but notice how it comes about. He's a righteous man. He doesn't want to expose her publicly, so he's going to put her away quietly. But after he had considered this, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so this story is still being read to this day. And I still remember hearing it read. It was my grandfather's custom to read this story every Christmas. And I remember hearing this story, and there I was that one particular Christmas, thinking to myself, hmm, could that still happen today? Could I still, could heaven still communicate with me today? Or is this just some old story and some old book? For that moment in my life, it was a story in some old book, but this book is still in our hands today, which is proof. Because if, if you look down through the history of time, how this book has been preserved, especially the New Testament, the number of manuscripts, the number of copies of it, the way that they took meticulous effort to bring this to us, it's amazing to think that we have it here and the attempts to destroy the Word of God over history. We still have a miracle coming to us today. The Word of God is coming to us, telling us the story that God himself sent an angel to Joseph. He himself sends a message to us today. Angel means messenger. Here we have the record of the messenger himself, bringing a message of love and peace to us. And so that same miracle is still happening today. question is, will we be like Joseph in the story and accept and believe it? And so it mentions here, this idea of the Holy Spirit again. That's really the only answer. The Holy Spirit can convict you of righteousness, of sin, and of judgment. The Holy Spirit can lead you down a path, but really at a, it can bring conviction, but really at a certain point, you have to make that choice, and so do I. And so for some of you today, I'm going to encourage you that if you're here in the hearing of this word, that if for some reason the Holy Spirit has convicted you as to some decisions you should make, make those decisions do what, is, what you know in your heart is right. Because it says here, she'll give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus. Means Lord, the Lord saves. The Lord saves from what? Keeps going on. Because he will save his people from their sins. Envy, strife, and sorrow cease, the way that song describes it. The only way is through this individual. This is the only way. The Lord saves. You can sit there and pursue even like I was thinking of doing, I was, I was going to pursue hotel restaurant management, eventually get into some, some terrible ways of, of managing and, and some organized crime while I was at it. And I had a whole real way of pursuing life. You can pursue all that if you want. You can pursue that degree. You can pursue that job if you want. But when it gets down to it, you can even have what you feel like was the perfect spouse, even when it gets down to the relationships. What bids envy, strife, and sorrow to cease? Is it the pursuit of those things? This makes it clear. The Lord saves. The only one. There were other accounts in the ancient Near East similar to a virgin birth and all of this, 
But when you get down to it, it was not a salvation message. It was a bondage message. Look at the message of Zeus and these other things in the ancient Near East. It wasn't a message of freedom. It was really you would be in bondage, not in a sense of serving someone willingly either. And so this is a different message. This is a proclamation from the king of the universe saying someone is coming. He'll save you from all those things, all those sins. You could fill in the blank there and so could I. But basically, you could have peace, but it won't come from yourself. That's why this baby was born. So I couldn't acquire it on my own. I couldn't acquire it through degrees or putting down enemies of mine. I had to acquire it through a peace child. I had to receive a savior. Because it says in verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We know we can't straighten this mess out. All we have to do is look back in the last couple of months. My hometown of Roseburg, Oregon, Umpqua Community College, that violence there. Obviously we can't solve that. And we get on down to Paris. Look at that. That's, her, that's heinous. I mean, think about all of these people that died. And then just this is very weak, which is why that insert is in your bulletin to pray for these, these people who are going through this sorrow right now. Comfort those who mourn because, really, the one who can bring them comfort. Yes, we can surround them, but we are praying for the God of peace to be there right now. And so God with us is really the answer for peace in this world. We should play a part in making the world a better place, but we should bring the world to the place where they will receive the Savior and that he will come back and deal with us. And so when Joseph woke up, what did he do? Shrug it off like I did that day? No. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Follows it all the way down to the name of this child. His name is Jesus. So as I've heard this story from my younger years. You can read it, but unless you're willing to believe it and receive it, it will be of no value to you. You'll see the beautiful decorations. You'll see the beautiful Christmas cards with the nativity on it. You'll see all of these things, but it will mean nothing unless you receive it. Choose to believe it and receive it. So how do I have peace and harmony? By receiving the Savior. Even now as a Christian, that's how I have peace and harmony on a daily basis. It's still a daily occurrence. It's not one day a year. It's a daily occurrence of choosing to believe and receive him daily. And how do I receive the Savior? Well, 1 John chapter 5 over there gives us a very simple way of doing that. In 1 John chapter 5, John is talking about having faith in the Son of God, choosing to believe, not just like the devils and the, and the evil angels do. They know the facts, but to really say, this is a story for me. I'm trusting that he was born, that he lived, that he died for me. Receiving the Savior means personalizing it. And John goes on in chapter 5 here of 1 John, and he says in verse 11, and this is the testimony, 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, God has given us eternal life. He's given us provision for peace. He's given us provision to live forever. 
and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. In essence, the Son stands, especially on the cross, that tree, if you want to call it that, as the tree of life. He stands there as evidence of what God will go through himself to save you. And I don't know about you, but, but if I would just imagine this in modern scenarios, think about a, a particular scenario where if you're an armed serviceman, you're going into a situation, you know it's dangerous, but you're going to rescue a hostage. Can you imagine rescuing a hostage, going through all of that, being wounded in the process, getting this person out of, out of harm's way, and as you turn around, the enemy's coming, and you're starting to take care of them, and they just do you in. How would the person feel who was rescued who got away then? Oh, no, that was just, yeah, he was just doing his job, you know. Wouldn't there be gratefulness that somebody did that? If someone went through a spiritual battle for you, which we're talking about with Jesus here, this is mostly my emphasis. Literally, we are hostages to our own sins, our own ways, our own guilt, our own shame. And Corinthians says that at Gethsemane, long before the cross, it began to pile upon the Savior. And a transaction occurred where, where he dies and we live. We would call him a hero if it happened in the military realm of physical things. In the spiritual realm, it's even more so. He laid down his life for us. And it's saying here, if you've got him, if you believe that, if you recognize what the magnitude of what he did for you, you'll have life. It'll change you. It'll change the very way you live. You'll be a different person. And so, if you have him and accept what he's done for you, you have life. In verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's even for those of us who know the story. Choose to believe it. And once you ask him into your life, guess what? You have that, that assurance that you're going in the right direction. This is the confidence we have then in approaching God. Not presumption, but confidence in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Is it his will to save you? If someone lays down their life for you, it's their will that you would somehow be set free. It's very clear then. It's his will to save you and me. So if it's his will to save us, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. So how do I receive the Savior? I simply ask. That's a simple step, isn't it? If you call that works, I don't know where, where, what spiritual realm you're on, but, but basically it's, it's like someone saying, please help me. They're helpless to help themselves. Please help me. Kind of like a, a small effort. You know how you do, deal with an injury of your body and how uh, when you go to physical therapy, I had a neck injury, and every once in a while it flares up. And as I, as I had that neck injury, I still remember the muscles shutting down. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I ever going to, to get out of this stupor? I can barely even drive my car up the hay for it. I had to drive that whole windy road with my head like right back to the seat. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I ever going to get out of this? And I go to physical therapy, and the guy says, well, just do this. And I'm thinking, in my old way of thinking, weightlifting guy who liked to, you know, be a tough guy, that's a small exercise. But that small little exercise kept building up. And eventually, I regained neck, my neck capacity. Eventually, I'm able to do my push-ups. And I said, my biggest goal was, I want to be able to wrestle with my boys and my little girl without any pain. So that was the real test. And the day came. 
But it all began with that little neck exercise, stretches and all of that, not really anything weight-bearing. And what we're talking about here is if that's how physical therapists, is that, if that's how we work with our human bodies, how do you think God works with us in our weakness? He says, just ask. It's not the end, it's the beginning, but just ask, and you'll receive it. And so those small movements add up to eventually a changed person. In fact, you're changed right away when you ask, because there I was, 17 years old, in a, in a situation that I'd found myself in because of my own mistakes, and that song rang in my mind when I was 17, a year later after that incident I described at the beginning here. But that Christmas was different, because just a few months before, I had accepted Christ as my Savior. I said, you know what? I don't know if you're a fairy tale or not. I don't know. I, I just I know people who have this peace and I want it. And I said, here's my life. It's a mess. Take control of it. Is that a huge work? No, but it's an opening up. It's an invitation to the Savior of the world to say, God with us means God in us, God in me. And so that Christmas I was singing the songs in a whole new way. In fact, I was in a in a youth correctional facility, kind of like a little boot camp place. And I remember, let's get everyone together. Let's go around and sing Christmas carols. It just flowed out of me. Whereas the year before, I could care less. And so, that song plays in my mind every once in a while. How can the world be full of peace and harmony? Receive the Savior. That's the beginning. And that's really where Jesus ends up in his ministry. His, some of his very last words in Matthew 26, he's telling them it's very simple. Here's a piece of bread. Here's some juice. And before that, he goes around and he washes all of their feet. He says, I'm going to humble myself. Blessed are you if you do the same in John's gospel. And so we have an easy way to do it here. First of all, it's only a prayer away. You don't, you don't even, if, you, if today you haven't even said that prayer, I would say, say that prayer. Say, Lord, take control of my life. I'm asking, I'm, I'm choosing to believe. Please, please come into my life. I receive you. That's a simple prayer. But after you say that simple prayer, it's, I continue on beyond that every day, recommitting my heart to the Lord. And in Matthew 26, it says that Jesus is committing himself to us. He says, I'm not going to eat again. I'm not going to drink again of the fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. He has a commitment to us every day to stay faithful to us until he comes again. Similar to what Joseph had with Mary and Mary with Joseph. And so today we have two simple ways to do this. First of all, if you have not received the Savior, then please some, at some point in the day see me or one of the elders. We can help you with that. We can just lead you in a simple prayer to, to do that. And you may have your own simple prayer as well. But if you have received the Savior, then we have two things we do together. First, we humble ourselves. We wash each other's feet. And, I, and that seems strange in the 21st century. But in the ancient Near East, it's a way of showing servitude. It's a way of, that Jesus said he'll be blessed if you do these things. And it's not just a symbol of service. It's actually serving each other. And while someone is washing your feet, you're saying, oh, Lord, I need your cleansing. I need you now. And so we'll do that first. And then when we come back, we'll take the emblems. And the emblems say, Lord, the bread represents his body. I believe you were born. I believe you lived that perfect life. I believe you were bruised for me and beaten for me. So I receive you. And then the juice is the same way. I receive you until you come. 